Good job, everybody. That was awesome. You guys are now a lot smarter and wiser. I know. What the heck happened here? <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So now it's just going to throw me off all night. So here's what we're going to do. There we go. That makes me feel better. I know, right? Oh, stop, stop, stop. I mean, I know I'm pretty, but okay. All right. So tonight we are going to wrap up our last rule of Bible study. So does anybody else need a study sheet? Everyone got one? Good? You need a pen? Go up and get it. Right there in the back. There's tons of them. Isaac. All right. There we go. Okay. All right, so here's what here's what we're gonna do. Oh, good, you gave him one without a cap. That was really good. No cap. <laughs> no cap. All right, so we're gonna cover the last rule of Bible study tonight, and then next week I'd like to actually pick a couple of passages of scripture for you guys to dive into and actually use all of the rules of Bible study. Uh, we're also gonna make uh, there's little bookmarks that we've made that you can put in your Bible to have all the rules, and so I'm gonna make sure you guys have that for next week if we can. If not, then you can get them the week after. But I'd like to put these things into practice because these things are incredible tools that if you're willing to use them, man, they can show you a lot of stuff from the scriptures that maybe you haven't been able to figure out. Or let's say you read a certain passage and you're just really confused about what's going on, then you use these rules and it is absolutely amazing. It will bring a lot of clarity to what's going on. So this last one that we're going to talk about tonight is called the maturity factor. So before we go any farther, let's go ahead and pray and we'll dive into these details. Father, thank you so much for bringing us together tonight. We do pray for those that are not with us um, and not feeling very well. We pray that they would recover with no problems. Um, I pray that you continue just to give us wisdom during this time, uh, that no matter really what happens, um, we still have a mission to accomplish. And I pray that you would uh, just help us with that as we continue to make adjustments as needed uh, with the environment, with the, with the politics that are going on right now in our world, and you would help us just to just stay focused. It's easy for us to get distracted during this time, so I pray you'd help us to stay focused on the mission that you've given us. So thank you again for tonight, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. All right. Um, okay, everything's good. Okay, so we're going to talk about the maturity factor tonight. Now, this one is the last one on purpose, um, and this is very, very, very valuable. It doesn't really matter how long you've been a Christian. There are certain things as you study the Bible and as you read year in and year out, there are certain things you're just not going to understand, and it's completely fine. The, the Bible is a, a supernatural book, and you could spend your entire lifetime, and you're never going to exhaust everything there is in it. There are some astounding things. I have read the Bible from cover to cover, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, and every single time I open up the Bible, there is always something new or something that God reminds me of that I see from a slightly different perspective, and it all comes back down to your attitude. I don't know why there's so much. Here we go. Hold on. We've got someone else that's coming in. All right. Okay. What's that? Okay. I try to find a way to, to have people come in without having to say admit every time, and I can't do it with Google Meet, so that's fun. So anyway, um, so it doesn't matter how many times you read the scriptures, there's always something that you can take away from it every single time. And it really comes back down to, again, your attitude. If you're like, man, I've read this story before, I've heard this before, well, then you're not going to get anything out of it. Like even every year we go over the Christmas story, 
and I read it actually multiple times throughout the year. Like this year, I'm on a reading plan where I've read through the Gospels a total of four times altogether. Like the New Testament, I've read through it four times with this reading plan that I'm doing. And so every time I'm doing it, I want to make sure that I'm looking at it from a fresh perspective. So it doesn't matter how many times you, you've heard something, it comes back down to your attitude. But there are some things that are just going to be hard to understand until you get a little bit wiser, you get some life experience behind you, you study other things in the scriptures, and then things begin to open up. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. So here's number 15. Don't panic if you do not completely understand something. Remember that God is infinitely wise. You will never completely understand God. This is God's book. The Bible is not just a book that has been written by men that is somehow fallible. This is a supernatural book. This is God's book. God's very personality is put on display. Uh, his reputation is upheld by this book. This is not like any other book. And so you can't completely exhaust this. You can read it from cover to cover. You can read every single word on every single page, but you will never be able to comprehend everything that's in here. Because God is infinite, and He's infinitely wise, and He's infinitely powerful. And this is a representation of Him. So know that going into it. And so don't panic if you don't understand something. Just understand that God is infinitely wise, and you will never completely understand Him. And there are certain things that you will learn over time. So here are two verses. John 16, verse 12. Jesus told His disciples, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. This was right before he was crucified. There are so many things he wanted to share with them, but they just could not understand it. They couldn't bear it at that point in time. And there are many places in the Gospels, if you've read through the Gospels, there are certain things where it says the disciples did not understand this until he died and rose again from the dead. Several times that shows up. I just read one today out of the book of John. Something happened that they didn't understand in the moment. But after Jesus died and then he rose again from the dead, then they understood what Jesus said and what he meant by that. It's all over the place. And it's the same for us. And then Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And we'll talk about that verse here in a minute. So here's some important concepts. There are some things in the scriptures we are not mature enough to understand. And that is absolutely true. There are certain things in the Bible that you just cannot understand for whatever reason. It might be because of maturity. It might be because of lack of experience. It could be a whole host of reasons, but there are certain things you're just not going to be able to understand. And then the next point, God is infinitely wise. You will never be able to completely understand him. And I have there Isaiah 55. Where it says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord, for as the heavens are high, higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, how many of you guys have ridden an airplane before? Okay, I love it. I love it. It's absolutely amazing. But one of the things that drives me nuts is when you get up in an airplane, like when you're taking off from like Akron Canton Airport, and we're very familiar with the area around Akron Canton Airport, as soon as you start to get up into the sky, you look down and it does not look the same, like at all, <laughs> until you find a couple landmarks or there's a neighborhood or there's, you know, a lake here or there's the strip or there's, you start to find something and you're like, okay, now I kind of know where I'm at. Because our perspective is here. We're on the ground. We see everything around us. But the moment that you start to get up over our surroundings, everything looks completely different and you are almost lost. It's amazing. I remember one time that I was flying, and I had flown all over the place, but there was one time that I was flying out west 
And I remember looking down, and it's like everything looks the same. And I'm like, I wonder what state we're over. I had no idea. But there was one point where we hit the Rocky Mountains, and I'm like, oh, the Rockies. I'm like, I know where we're at. But I don't know if like we're in Montana, if we're in Colorado. I don't, I don't know exactly where we're at. But I know the Rocky Mountains. And then we just kind of kept going, and then we hit San Francisco. And that's where we end up landing. But when you get up and you start to take a look at everything, it looks completely different. And it's the exact same thing from God's perspective. We are so used to walking through life from this perspective, and we see everything this way, as the world does, which is normal. But what we need to learn is God's perspective. You start to get into God's book, and all of a sudden you are launched up over, and you get to see the whole of life from a completely different perspective. And through time, you're able to understand where things are at and how things all fit together as you kind of go back down to your own life. The more time you spend in God's Word, the more time you're up in an airplane looking down from the top down, the more you're going to be able to understand it. But the first few times, maybe a lot, maybe several months of doing it every single day, you're like, oh my gosh, okay, where are we at again? What's going on? It's the exact same thing with Bible study. It's the exact same thing with understanding God's Word. Most people quit. They just do. And the reality is, is if they quit on God, even though they don't understand God's perspective and they just quit on Him, then they're going to miss out on so many different blessings. But God just thinks differently than how we think. And when you're raised in the world, you have to learn how to think differently. You just have to. So that is, that is a piece of advice that is just golden. So make sure that you pay attention to that and apply that one. All right, next check mark. God will help us by opening our understanding when we are ready. So, be patient. God will help us by opening our understanding when we are ready. So, be patient. Go to Luke 24. Luke 24. And somebody read this verse that's up on the screen while everyone's turning there. I don't care here. Just go ahead and do it. Open thou my eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I love this verse. I have recommended um, to people, and even to my own daughter, as she's trying to you know, get in the habit of, of reading the Bible, that before you open up God's Word, that you pray and you talk to God. And this is an incredible verse to memorize, to pray back to God. God, I'm going to open up your book, and I want to understand what you're wanting, wanting me to know for today. So would you please open now mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. That is a great prayer that God will answer every single time as long as you have a good heart attitude about it. Open my eyes because we need God to open up our eyes. And then take a look at Luke 24. I love this passage. Luke 24. Luke 24, and we're going to start off in verse 13. So this is after Jesus had died, and he had resurrected, and he began to show himself to some people. In verse 13 it says, And behold, two of, uh, of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. It's about seven and a half miles. And they talked together of all these things which had happened, Jesus dying and them crucifying him and all that. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. So they didn't know that it was Jesus. It was him in his glorified body, but their eyes were, for whatever reason, they were not able to discern that it was him. So Jesus had the supernatural ability to, to hide his face. They didn't recognize him. In verse 17, And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another, as ye walk and are sad? 
And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, when, uh, which were early at the sepulcher. When they found not his body, they came, saying that he had also seen a vision of angels, that they had seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And a certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said to them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe, all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further, so he wasn't going to go with them. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour, and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. So this is cool. I love this story. So Jesus shows up, and he's talking with them. He's like, You know what's going on? And they're super sad. And then... They're like, uh, you, don't, you don't know anything? And so then they recount all the stuff, and then Jesus comes in and just says, you guys are just fools. Do you not understand? You have people say he was risen from the dead. Do you remember what the prophets said? And then beginning at Moses. So that means that Jesus started in Genesis. He started in Genesis, the five books of Moses, and he worked his way through the entire Old Testament. And he was telling them everything, all the fulfillments of Jesus being the Messiah, him needing to be crucified and rising again from the dead and everything. And so then they sat down and then they, you know, he revealed himself and then he completely vanished out of their sight, which is cool, by the way, because just as a side note, we're going to get glorified bodies like Jesus one day. So that means that one day we're going to have the ability to change our appearance and then completely vanish, which is kind of cool. I like that. Anyway, um, but what I love about that is their response to it. So... They were, their hearts were open. They understood what was going on. They, they heard the scriptures and it says, did not our hearts burn within us while he was explaining the scriptures? This to me is one of the key indicators of my heart attitude towards God. Every time the Bible's opened, whether it's here, main service, my own devotions, there should always be something that causes my heart to burn. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you know what I'm talking about. That when God teaches you something, you're like, oh my gosh, that is amazing. There should always be something that causes your heart to burn inside of you where you stand in awe of God and His truth from His Word. When that happens, you have had an intimate encounter with God because He taught you something that was absolutely amazing. If you have never had that, oh my word, you are missing out. You have no idea what it means to have a relationship with God. It is one of the most amazing things in the world. It is one of the proofs that you belong to God. And if you've never had that, then I would just throw this out 
do you even know God? Because the Spirit of God is inside of you, and He teaches you things from God's Word that only God can teach you. So either He's inside of you, and you've just completely refused Him, and you don't even get into this book whatsoever, or you're going to get into that book, and you don't have the Spirit of God inside of you. That's the only options that you've got. Either He's in there, and you're not getting into the book, or you're getting into the book, and He's not in you. That's the only option, because when you're in God's Word and He teaches you something, I mean, you cannot help but to get excited about it. Cannot help. Now, there are days and there are weeks where I might be a little off in my walk with God, but the problem is me, and it always comes back to my attitude. But when I get my attitude corrected and I get into His book, man, my heart burns. My heart burns because there are things that God's revealing unto me. It's exactly what Jesus did with these guys, expounding the scriptures. And they're like, didn't our hearts burn within us while he was explaining to us all that stuff out of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, all the way through the Bible? That's what it's supposed to be like. So God will help us to understand when we're ready, when we're ready. All right, next point. God is faithful to teach you what you need to know when you need to know it. God is faithful to teach you what you need to know and when you need to know it. Now, I love this verse out of 1 John. 1 John 2.27. And this goes back to what I just talked about. But the anointing which ye have received of him, that's the Holy Spirit of God, abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, teacheth you of how many things? All things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. When you are saved, when you are born again, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 explicitly say that the Spirit of God moves inside. He moves inside permanently and unites with your dead spirit to make you alive. And he is a teacher. And you have the ability with the Spirit of God to never learn anything else from any other person. Like, let's say you were stranded on an island and you couldn't go to church and you didn't have a pastor, you didn't have a disciple, or you didn't have anybody to teach you the Bible. And you only had your Bible. And it's just you, God, the Spirit of God inside of you, and God's Word. The Spirit of God would teach you all things. Everything. Because He is the one that wrote this book. He's the author of the book. It's 1 Peter chapter 1. It says He's the author of this book. And so that is a reality that you need to tap into. Because I think sometimes we forget who's inside of us. We forget that we're born again. We forget that we have the Spirit of the living God inside of us who wrote this book. And He has the ability to teach you absolutely everything that you want to know about the Scriptures. It's incredible. So I love that. It's a great verse. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. All right, Hebrews 5, take a look at verse 11. So Paul here is talking about Melchizedek, and he explains in verse 11, of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. See, part of the reason why some people don't get anything out of Sunday school, they don't get anything out of messages, is because they're dull of hearing. And so it's hard to speak to people when they are dull of hearing. But look at what he says in verse 12. For when, for the time, ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. 
For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, you guys are kind of at that weird transition point. And when I look at the youth ministry from junior high to senior high, you guys are at a spot where I believe that you are getting to the point where you can start to become a teacher. You should be able to. By the time you guys hit sophomore, junior year of high school, and especially your senior of high school, you ought to be a teacher in some way, shape, or form. I'm not talking about doing, you know, like preaching in a main service or anything like that, but I'm talking about being able to teach and expound the truths of God's Word to other people. Like, you should be able to walk into a kid's classroom, open up the Bible, and teach a lesson. And for it to be real and practical, and it would help these little kids. You should be able to disciple other junior hires right across the hall and help teach them the Bible and what it means to walk with God. You should be able to. You should be able to. And so here he's rebuking these guys because he says, You ought to be teachers, but i got to go back and i got to teach you again the first principles. You know, you're like a little baby, a giant adult in a big diaper, and i got to feed you milk again until you're at the point where your stomach can start handling strong meat. Because strong meat, according to verse 14, says that they take the things they've learned and says, by reason of use, they have their senses exercised. So that means that just like exercise, just like exercise, or just like you know, dropping a skill for a period of time, you can lose your senses that are being exercised. So you can spend a period of time being exercised in the, in the scriptures, in the truth of God's word. But then if you just drop it for like three, four, five, six months, you're going to get out of practice and you can lose those senses. And so you're not going to be able to handle strong meat. You're not going to be able to. You're going to have to go back and do the basics again. The best illustration of this was, I remember, and I've shared this a few times, but I went on a mission trip to Albania. And before I left, uh, there was a, a really awesome burger place that I, I mean, I loved during that time. And I remember um, that they would have like these one pound burgers and they were just amazing. I mean, if you've never had a one pound burger, it's like, yeah. And so definitely felt more like a man after eating a one pound burger. So anyway, I remember going to Albania and I was there for about 19 days. And we, we lived there, we got used to the diet and everything. And so I come back home from Albania and then I want to go back to this restaurant. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm craving a burger because the food is so weird in Albania. And so then I come back home and my friend and I that went on this mission trip, we went to this place and I got myself a one pound burger. So that night I was puking my guts out <laughs> because my body could not handle the food that I was accustomed to just 20 days ago. And that's just 20 days with a physical body talking about physical food. So you take that same illustration and you correlate it to spiritual things. If you consistently have a diet of God's word and you're in it and you're getting stuff out of it and God's teaching you and you start really, you know, figuring out how to live this stuff out and you start getting after it. And then all of a sudden you drop things for two weeks and you just stop. It is going to seriously affect you spiritually. And then you start to get in it again and it's just not going to feel right. It's just not going to feel right. And some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. And so the only solution to that is slow and steady and consistent back into the Word of God again until you can get your appetite back up and you're starting to get adjusted back to spiritual things again. That's the only thing you can do. That's the only thing you can do. Otherwise, you're never going to partake of God's Word ever again. But God is faithful to teach you what you need to know, when you need to know it. And He's very patient. I love that. And then lastly, learn to maintain a humble 
teachable heart towards the Lord in all the seasons of life. Learn to maintain a humble and teachable heart towards the Lord in all the seasons of life. Because we're never going to know everything, so you always need to have a humble heart. There's never a point where you can come to where you're like, oh yeah, I completely understand this concept out of God's Word. Like, that is never going to happen. That's not that way for me, and I've been teaching the Bible for a long time. And I'm even teaching some seriously deep things in our Bible Institute, and I don't understand them all the time. I mean, I get back into this, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is intense. Okay, i got to communicate. Do I understand this? And there's so many other things that God begins to teach me along the way. And so you're never going to learn everything. You need to make sure that you have a humble, humble heart attitude. A couple of verses on this one. I love what Paul said in Acts 24, And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. He was always very humble in everything that he did. And he wanted to make sure that he lived by that standard. Philippians 4, Paul again, he says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. See, that last verse that a lot of people quote is in the context of learning how to be humble. How to be humble. It's very important. And then Proverbs 1, verse 7 and verse 29. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. I wanted to include these two verses on purpose. Part of the reason why you may not get anything out of God's Word, and you end up despising wisdom, which means you despise your time in God's Word, is because you are not choosing to fear God. Because when you fear God, and He is the authority in your life, you are going to want to know what He says. If you do not fear God, you will not care to get in His Word. It is the beginning of knowledge. Beginning. So that means if you're not getting anything out of the Bible, it's because you don't fear God. And I'm not talking about just being fearful of God. That's a component of it. I'm talking about respect. I'm talking about an adoration of God. I'm talking about a reverent heart attitude. Someone that you know that he's in charge and you're very submissive to him. That you need him in your life. If that does not exist, you will not be in his word. You won't. And that is a heart problem every time. So think about that. Think about that. And maybe spend some time with God on that one. Okay, so I'm going to wrap it up with these four examples. Because there are some examples in the Bible. There's tons, but these are the four that I feel are the most important. So the first one is with Jesus. So that's your first blank. Jesus grew in wisdom and learned obedience through his life experiences. We don't have time to go to these passages, but in Luke 2, it talks about that he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. Jesus did. Now, last time I checked, Jesus is who? He's God, all right? But yet God, as he's growing up, had to grow in wisdom, stature, which means physically, and favor with God and men. So God had to grow in favor with God and men. That's kind of interesting to think about it that way. But see, this is talking about his humanity. So he was the Messiah, but he didn't begin his ministry until he was 30 years old. As he grew, he had to learn how to obey. Because remember, he's in his flesh. His flesh is corrupted because he came from Mary. He's half Mary, half God, right? So he gets his flesh from Mary, which is corrupted. So he still was tempted. He was tempted to sin. Now, did he sin? 
No, he chose that which was right every single time, but he still felt the pressure of temptation, the pull, the desire to walk away from God, to be disobedient to his parents. He felt all of that, and yet he chose the right thing every single time. And so he had to learn these things. He had to learn how to obey. And then in Hebrews, it talks about how he learned obedience through his sufferings. So as he suffered, and again, he was tempted to walk away and to give it all up. He had to learn how to obey, to deny his flesh and to obey God. See, this is what I love about Jesus. He's the perfect example, the perfect example. We pretend like Jesus didn't struggle. You bet he struggled. He struggled. Everything you and I struggle with, he struggles with the exact same thing. It might manifest differently because he didn't have like iPhones or computers or whatever. You know what I mean? But he has the same heart. He had the same nature inside of him as far as his body is concerned. Not sin nature because he wasn't a sinner. But his fleshly desires that existed, they were the same. So the same heart struggles we have are the same things that Jesus struggled with. And I like that. That helps me. That helps me. The next point, David. David was anointed when he was a shepherd 15 years prior to becoming king over the whole nation of Israel. So God anointed David, but then there's a 15-year span where he doesn't actually see the fulfillment of God anointing him to be king. And even then, when you read through these passages in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, he only gets part of the kingdom. Like he gets Judah and Benjamin, and then the others don't want anything to do with them for another like seven years. So he had to be patient and he had to learn. And you can read about the life of David, of all the things he had to endure, stuff he had to learn, the patience he had to go through before he was ready to be king over the whole nation of Israel. And even then he messed up. In Jeremiah 1, 5 through 10, Jeremiah was called out. Jeremiah was called out from his mother's womb to be God's prophet to the nations. So even before he was born, God called him. But he had to grow into that role. God knew what kind of man he was going to be later on. And so God called him out. But Jeremiah had to grow and mature. It took time. And then lastly, Elijah in 1 Kings and 2 Kings, Elijah spent 10 years with Elisha before he was taken up by a whirlwind. So Elisha was, was anointed to be the next prophet after Elijah was out of there. But it still took 10 years. So the reason why I throw these things out there, Jesus took him 30 years before he began his ministry. David took him 15 years before he became king over all Israel. Jeremiah took him probably 20, 30 years before he came out to be a prophet. And then Elijah spent 10 years with Elisha before Elisha took over. So there are things that you're going to just have to learn. And you can't learn it any other way except through the process of time. There are some things that you'll grab a hold of now and it'll be amazing. But I'm telling you, one of the best teachers in your life outside of the Word of God and outside of the Spirit of God is time. There's certain things you're just not going to understand until you get a little bit older. And it's just the way it is. And that's why I think sometimes we struggle in our flesh, especially towards other authority figures at your guys' age. Because you're in this weird spot where you're learning how to be a young adult, but you're not quite there yet. And then you're questioning everything with your parents and with other, other authority figures because, well, you have no idea how I feel, when in reality they know exactly what's going on. It might be different circumstances, but it's the same heart issues. I mean, I'm having these conversations now with my kids, where I'm talking to Lily, where I'm like, Lily, I even told her this today, because she's going into middle school next year. I'm like, freaked out about it. Because middle school is, it's just, it's hard. Yeah, 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 thank you. It's terrible. But here's the thing. I was talking to her today about it, and I said, you know, honey, no matter what you go through, it's going to be a strange time. Your friends are going to come and go. A lot of stuff's going to change over a short period of time. 
But no matter what happens, I always want you to know that your mom and I are always going to be for you, be here for you. We're not going to go anywhere, and we always want to be able to talk to you about anything that you're working through. I don't care what it is, because we've been there. We know exactly what it's like. We, we were in middle school. We understand some of the pressures. We understand what's going on. And we've been there, and we've walked through. We made some seriously bad mistakes along the way. There's no doubt about that. But we love you, and we care about you, and we want you to do well. And we will walk with you through it. And I feel that same way about you guys. I really do. You know, I made so many dumb decisions in high school. And times have changed, and you know, some things have, have changed, and there's different things that have impacted your generation that haven't impacted mine. But the heart issues are still the same. They're still the same. I mean, 100%, they are still the same. And that's why the Bible is timeless and why I care about you guys and the decisions you make. But some of these things, you're just not going to understand until you get a little bit older. And it will freak you guys out. Because once you become my age, you're going to turn around and you're going to see another generation, my kids even, and you're going to be saying some of the exact same things to them. And then when they get in your spot and then you become grandparents, they're going to turn around. Hopefully God comes back by then. But they're going to turn around and they're going to say the same things to your kids. And I'm telling you, it's, it's the weirdest thing in the world. A lot of people just, just completely poo-poo people that are older and say, you don't know Jack, and that is not true. That is absolutely not true. We would do well to listen to people that are wiser and have more life experience, even if the advice they give is like not that good. Because there's always something in there. There's always something in there that you can take and you can apply to your life that will make your life a whole lot better. Guaranteed. So this is the maturity factor, very important. You're not gonna understand everything, but that's okay. And some things you're not going to learn until you just mature a little bit and you're going to start to understand stuff. There are things in the Bible that I know that I can only understand now that I couldn't have understood five years ago. And it's going to be the same ten years from now. And so I want to make sure that I'm listening to wise counsel no matter what age I am. So, all right. Good. Okay, so next week I'm going to pick some passages. We're going to work through some of these rules of Bible study and try to work some of this stuff out. Um, and it'll be a lot of fun. All right, somebody close in prayer and then we'll go pray together. You can't see that, don't you? You can't see? No, I can't. I didn't know you were doing this. Like, okay, go for it. Dearly Father, so thank you for this day. Thank you for being here. We can learn the maturity factor and that we should be patient in our walk with you. And just as we grow on, just uh, that experience can be a better and like wisdom can be our teacher. And I just pray that as this night goes on, that we can have good fellowship and pray to, with each other, for each other. And the and I pray for the rest of the school week that we can just be safe and stuff. And uh, Jesus, I pray for you. Amen. All right, let's head down there. Thanks, guys. Thanks for logging on.